Hey, profs. Welcome on in. My name's Rob Lightfoot, proud two-time alum of Rick Edelman College of Communication, class of 2000-2001. This is Beyond the Brown and Gold. I'm Jessica Kennedy. I'm the co-host here, also a two-time proud Rowan alum, class of 2008 from the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts, and 2015 from the College of Education. Thanks so much for joining us today. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy. Welcome, everybody. On today's show, we have a 2012 Rowan alum, Ernest goes lovingly by Ernie. Maybe not lovingly. I didn't yeah. ask him if it was lovingly. <laughs> no, but he, he does go by it, <laughs> He does go by Ernie. Holtzheimer, he's an MBA and a JD. We had so much fun talking to him today about all the different sides of Ernie. Yeah, he's a busy cat. Like, not only is he doing just regular work, yeah. but he's got a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, he's a lawyer. Yeah. So that's Check. day Ernie. Oh, well, maybe day before the day is like he's a... He's a Tri- I think he called himself a wannabe triathlete, but if nothing else, he's a runner. Yeah, if, if you're if you're doing that, just call yourself a triathlete. You're yeah, doing yeah. it. He, yeah, because I'm not doing that. So I'm not going to call myself a, <laughs> even a wannabe triathlete. So before the day starts, he's a runner. Yeah. Then he's a lawyer. Yep. Then what? Then so many things. He's Then he's a volunteer. At several different organizations. Yes. He oversees the Rowan University Venture Fund. He's an adjunct professor previously at Rowan yeah. Now at Drexel. And now he's you know, he's all around good dude. Uh, yeah, he was so much fun to talk to. So we hope that you enjoy this interview with Ernie just as much as we did. So Ernie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Tell us about your time here at Rowan University, how you found out about the school, what your history is with the university. Sure. So I grew up not far down the road in Deptford, New Jersey. So I was very familiar with uh, Glassboro College and uh, and. In, eventually Rowan University when I went to Gloucester Catholic was looking at schools decided I wanted to stay local um, you know looked at my sister went to Ryder I looked at Ryder looked at a couple schools over in the Philadelphia area um, eventually decided that I wanted to come here um, thought it was a, a great fit for what I wanted to do at the time which was be a, a dentist like my father uh-huh. uh, so there was a a shift at, at some point there which we can get into in a little bit um, but yeah I uh, I I Fell in love with the school pretty quickly. Um, lived on campus my first year. Eventually became a commuter. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed my time here. Where did you live when you were here? Mimosa. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mimosa was like I a place Mimosa. to be. <laughs> yeah. Brunch. Yeah, Mimosa is <laughs> the only thing that really makes sense post Rowan, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, totally. Yeah. So you lived in Mimosa, and how long? When did you become a commuter student? My sophomore year. Okay. Um, so I had a very interesting path through college. So I decided I wanted to stay local because I had the opportunity to take over a hoagie shop franchise called Planet Hoagie right after graduating high school. Okay. So that happened. Um, you know, I, I wanted to stay local to be able to continue that opportunity. Was essentially commuting even though I lived on campus because we were right down the so street. Close, yeah. And, you know, this hoagie shop was essentially in my parents' backyard. It was like my parents' house, a Wawa, Planet Hoagie right next to it. So I was working all the time, pretty much commuting while living on campus, um, and then just made the decision in my sophomore year to not do the commute slash pay to live on campus and just do the commute. Was Planet Hoagie like your high school gig? Like your high school job? It, w- that it was, yeah. Okay. It was always, you know, school, whatever athletic season it was, go to Planet Hoagie and work. <laughs> Is that what had you pursue business? 
Were you interested? That is how I uh, essentially how I pursued business. Um, so yeah, the the second part of my interesting part of my college career is I actually dropped out from Rowan after my sophomore year and opened that. opened a uh, a restaurant in Haddonfield with some friends. Okay. Uh, we closed the hoagie shop. My my friend was very fortunate to win the. Uh, thousand dollars a week for life scratch off lottery ticket so he <laughs> had the uh, he, he had the uh, financing and and you know we all had some restaurant expertise so I was initially going to class uh, had switched to being an entrepreneurship major at, at that point already um, was conti- starting to go to class and handle the restaurant then the restaurant eventually got too busy we were too involved too much work on top of class so Decided I would take a, a brief hiatus from, from college and knew I would eventually come back. My parents didn't believe me, um, but uh, but I did, and you know it all it all worked out. I want to know what the restaurant was. Yeah, I me mean, too. What, too. What, what kind of cuisine? Can we ask yeah. that question? So yeah, I don't know if American cuisine is an actual thing, okay. right? But it was a it was a mix of everything. We had so we started out as um, the the landlord of that location. His son actually owned a what I'll call burger shop before we took it over. We took it over as a burger shop, you know, burgers, sandwiches, cheesesteaks, things of that nature. Uh, We decided after owning it for about three to four months, that wasn't the cuisine that fit the clientele that were in the area. Um, We decided to close down and make it more of a fine dining restaurant. We brought on a chef. Um, We, you know, completely transformed the inside of the restaurant, the interior, made it a sort of white tablecloth type place with, you know, steak and pastas and lobster and whatever it was. Um, How old were you when you were doing this? I was I was a sophomore. I think I was nine. I was nineteen. Wow, 20, that's 20. impressive. You're hiring chefs. At <laughs> I was gonna say, and you lost me as a client because you went you went too high, bro. I like I like, I like Rob's really a burger kind of guy. I'm a burger kind of guy. I like a white linen myself. Um, well, let's not lose this one little uh, storyline. Let's pull this thread out a little bit. Wanted to be a dentist like your father. I want to go back to that. Why do people want to be in other people's mouths? That's my question. <laughs> like, I, I think that. that about a lot of different kinds right. of doctors. <laughs> yeah. Forget dentists. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. actually a true story when you're kind of career path that you was there. But um, what, do you, did you think about that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob gets grossed out at a lot There's of certain things. There's certain things that just uh, interest me. Yeah. What, so, what, what, what waved you off, I guess? Let's, let's, let's ask that question because maybe it's a little bit safer for you. What waved you off of not being a dentist? Yeah, so it, it's actually ironic looking back. I decided I didn't want to go to school for that long. So, okay, okay. so I realized right. I would have to, you know, do four years of, of bio slash pre-dental, uh, then go to dental school. And I actually wanted to go beyond what my dad did and become, um, you know, an oral malofixial facial sur- uh, surgeon. I can't even say the word right. So, you know, I just probably shouldn't have been that. But, <laughs> Looks like it all worked. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, I did end up going to school for a long time. I went to law school after uh, attending Rowan. So it almost balanced out. But at the time I decided, you know, I, I think I want to pursue this business interest of mine versus the science interest. So what brought you back to Rowan? Because you took a break. Like, how long was that? It was about a year, maybe a little over a year. Okay. Um, we actually sold the restaurant. So there was a gentleman across the street from our restaurant. We were in Main, Main Street, Haddonfield, uh, Kings Highway. Uh, across the street, there was a gentleman and his family who were from England that sold all sorts of British-type things. They sold soccer jerseys. They sold English candies and things of that nature. Their son was a chef. They dined with us all the time. Eventually, one day, they came over and approached us and said, our son's looking for a restaurant. If you're ever interested in selling, you know, let us know. And wow. we said, everything's for sale for the right price. And 
ended up entering into negotiations. Good and, for you. Yeah. 19, 20 years old, selling restaurants. Right? <laughs> Big deal. That didn't happen over here. I no. Can tell that. No. And so then you did, you went for your, your Drex, went to what, Drexel for your? For my JD, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then we see that you came, you came back, or you got your MBA from here as well. I got my MBA from here, but before you have a lot of degrees. Yeah, you have yeah, a lot yeah. of. I can't keep track a lot of, of credentials. Guy. I don't yes. know what a JD. Can I just play dummy no. for like everybody in the Look, world? What, what, is is a, what does JD mean? What is it's that? a juris doctor? So it's your law degree. Okay. See, I should know that. But I don't also, know what a law degree. But if you look at his activities, I had his activities list printed here somewhere. Um, you were in a ton of stuff while you were here. You were on the wit. I read uh, you were in like ninety honors societies and classes on from what I read. So talk to us about where the sort of the wit interest came and what you did there. When I was a freshman and sophomore here, I did absolutely nothing in terms of extracurriculars. I you know went to class. I was doing I was doing hard classes, right? I was in bio, chem, all like going for pre medical, pre dental. Um, those were difficult classes. If I wasn't in class, I was studying or I was working. Did nothing in terms of student clubs or organizations or anything like that. When I came back, I decided. I want to do everything that I possibly can. Um, So rather than spending all my time in the library or at work, I wanted to, if I was at work, I wanted it to be an internship where I was gaining some sort of unique experience. um, And I wanted to try out a bunch of different things. Um, Someone, I forget who it was, um, I think I was involved in the marketing club, had introduced me to somebody who was on the WIT. um, And I just, you know, got involved sort of in a marketing capacity at first. And then, you know, started writing a little bit as well. What was your favorite thing that you were involved in or like core college memory of maybe something that like changed your path? Changed my path, I would say, was um, Kimball Bird's financing and legal aspects of entrepreneurship class. That in tandem with the CEO club, uh, being involved in both of those. So Kimball Bird was a lawyer who then turned academic and was a professor here. I had him for several classes. That financing and legal aspects of entrepreneurship class really kind of exposed my interest in the legal side of things, um, having gone through the sale of the restaurant and you know, forming an S-Corp or first an LLC and transitioned that into an S-Corp for various reasons, working with our accountant for that on the business side and then coming back to school and taking that class really changed my direction from you know, pre-medical, pre-dental to entrepreneurship to I'd rather be, than be an entrepreneur myself, I want to help entrepreneurs yeah. uh, on the legal side and, and financing side, hence uh, the VC interest as well. The CEO club was really interesting. We got to travel, which was a, you know sort of just a icing on the cake for being involved in student activities. You, you get to, to travel around the country and go to some of these conferences. I know now these conferences are global, so some of these students are getting to go to Egypt and you know really cool places Can that I, I wish. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> Can I be the staff advisor? Do they need any support over there? Wow. I might have to try to do So I'm now going for my MBA. So you have any tips or like answers to the tests or like that? <laughs> yeah, the cheat sheets. The cheat sheets that are going on there. Probably shouldn't put that in. Yeah, maybe. You know, we'll probably shouldn't record yourself there. saying that. So your experiences here on campus then shifted you, obviously, across the bridge. You were a dragon for a bit, right? And then what happens post, post all of that? So post all of that, I started working at the law firm that um, – that I had interned with. I did summer associate position with a law firm called Montgomery McCracken for two summers during law school. Got an offer to go there after law school, uh, practiced there for a number of years, became partner there, and then recently, last year, transitioned to another firm, Eckert Siemens, um, where I'm a partner in the um, corporate and securities business advisory group, um, work 
a lot with clients of different sizes from individuals all the way to, you know, high end middle market companies, um, private equity backed companies, private equity funds. Um, so doing a lot. Uh, but and what is your daily, like, if you, if you want to give, like, a high level for folks that maybe don't understand it, what is your, basically, your daily, what does it look like? So it's, I, I do commercial transactions is what it boils down to. So companies who, for the most part, I, I mentioned I represent individuals as well, but for the most part, it's commercial transactions. So a business is selling something, you know, they make something, I represent a lot of manufacturers, they, they make something, they have a supply agreement with another company who wants to buy their product, I negotiate those supply agreements. Um, on the M&A side, mergers and acquisitions side, I represent buyers and sellers, um, whether they're very small companies who are selling to larger companies or selling to another smaller company, um, selling to you know, sponsors, private equity. Um, I've represented a couple of uh, local physical therapists who have been acquired by private equity funds doing roll-ups of physical therapy clinics in the mid-Atlantic region. Kind of, It kind of runs the gamut, but what it really boils down to is commercial transactions. If you're buying or selling something and there's a contract involved, that's basically what my job is, to draft that contract, make sure I'm getting the language right for the party that I'm representing, and getting people to get to sign on the dotted line. So very interesting career choice there. What do you do for like fun? Like what are we doing because we're not mergers and acquisitions and we're not doing that stuff? Tell us that's about serious stuff. Yeah. So tell us about more of what, what is, what's Ernie doing when he's not? You know, I, I saw that the American Ninja Warrior episode was uploaded recently and I was like, man, they're going to ask me what I do <laughs> outside. <laughs> do you ninja? Uh, Please tell me I, I you're ninja not, now. So oh, I'm bummer. not. No. So I am, I, I attempt to be a triathlete. So okay. two days ago I did the Chicago Marathon. Way uh, to go, man. Yeah. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Very and, impressive. Uh, and Two weeks, three weeks, I'm going to St. George, Utah. To I qualified for the Ironman, Half Ironman um, World Championships. So I'll go to St. George, Utah to compete in that. And then in a couple of weeks after that, I go to Arizona for Ironman Arizona. You're busy. How do you, <laughs> how do you manage all that? And I, and I hang that? out with my wife, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does she have time in your schedule? That's that's a lot. You manage like a, a hefty job. Like It sounds like some great things you do on the side for like keeping yourself sane. And then you're also involved in the university in a myriad of ways, right? Yeah. So what does yeah. that look like? Yeah, so I'm the managing director of the Roan Innovation Venture Fund. Uh, we're a $25 million fund that supports startups and uh, commercialization of technology coming out of Rowan and also coming out of the Mid-Atlantic region. So we do try to focus and do focus on Rowan University-related projects and companies, but we do also support others um, that are supporting the southern New Jersey economy. Um, so we have 15 portfolio companies. I'm in charge of sort of the day-to-day of the fund. So soliciting deal flow, we have meetings once per month where companies who are interested in receiving funding in exchange for equity, we're not a grant fund, we are investors. Um, You're so we Shark do, Tank. We basically are Shark Tank. Okay. For for those listening, this is, you know, I'm, I'm basically- What's your role? Are you Kevin? Yeah, which one are you? Yeah, which one are you? <laughs> are you I'm always trying Robert to be Herjavec. in perpetuity? Because like, <laughs> that, one, that one guy, he always wants everything in perpetuity. I think oh, I would want to invest Kev, with Mark that, Cuban. Is it, is it Kevin? Kevin is the, uh, he's the mean one in the center all the time. That's his role. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And Mark Cuban's always like, uh, I don't know. He's just like so easy. I think I would want to invest with him. Do you guys do like that? Is that the style? Yeah. <laughs> It's basically the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all sit in big chairs, and we just... can you tell us about some of like the successes that you've had come out of that? 
And also tell us, by the way, so for folks who maybe don't know what the process would look like for like small business. Yeah, like how can I apply? To, yeah, how like, do they, could I start what, a chain or no? It has to be like a new a new thing. So, so we we invest in scalable companies. We okay. wouldn't invest in someone who's you know buying a franchise, for okay. example. Um, we invest in companies that we do think is are going to grow over the next several years and have some sort of liquidity event over the next several years where we'll get a return on our money. Uh, that's the the expectation. Generally, in the private equity industry, you can expect between five to seven years. Uh, you know, maybe it's trending a little bit longer now, seven to ten years for life of a fund um, for a return. So when we make an investment, we're looking at you know hopefully within seven years there's going to be a sale of the company. There's going to be you know private equity comes in and makes a large growth equity investment and maybe buys our position out or something like that. Uh, but we we do look for a company that. There is an expectation that there's going to be a liquidity event um, that includes going public, um, you know, something of that nature, versus someone establishing a business that they want to hand down from generation to generation, okay. and we're just, you know, uh, somebody who's put in a hundred thousand dollars twenty years ago. Um, so the process is you go online. There's a, a web page on the foundation site. Um, we had previously used a, an application platform, which we're currently in the middle of transitioning to a new one. So right now the process is to download the two-page PDF application, fill out that form, send it to me. Um, my email address is on the application and on the web page. Uh, so folks who are interested in applying can, can find that on there. If you Google Rowan Innovation Venture Fund, the web page will pop right up. Um, we have, as I was mentioning earlier, we have screening meetings once per month. We typically get between three and five companies who are interested in receiving funding pitched to us. They do a 12 to 15 minute pitch. Um, then we have a short period of Q&A with our screening committee, which is made up of folks both from the Rowan Foundation Board, from um, the faculty here at Rowan and industry professionals who have experience in a variety of industries and can really help us determine the feasibility of an investment. Um, after those meetings, the screening committee gets together, talks about each opportunity that we saw that day. There's a scoring rubric that they all send to me. Afterwards, I look at what everybody's scores were. We determine if there's been a quorum and that uh, would like to move forward with, uh, with an opportunity. And they actually vote yes, no, or delay. Yes is, yes, we think this opportunity is good. We think it qualifies for investment from the fund. We want to move forward into due diligence with this opportunity. No is no for whatever reason it is. We don't think this is an opportunity for us. We don't think it qualifies as for the purpose of the fund. Um, and delay is we think there's something there, but let's work with these folks and get them to the next stage where they where we it would make sense for us to make an investment. An example that I give sometimes for that type of scenario is, you know, a faculty member who's come up with a great technology. Uh, there are many of those on campus, but faculty members aren't going to quit their daytime job and, you know, run a company full time, right? So in that scenario, we often work with them to try to find them a CEO or, you know, a strategic advisor, somebody who can help on the business side of things while the faculty member is focusing on research and continuing their job in academia. Um, the next step is to, as I mentioned, if there's a yes, and we had enough yeses, we move into due diligence, we review company materials. A lot of the time, we're not the lead investor. Our typical first check size is between 
100 and 250,000 dollars. Oftentimes folks are raising rounds of, you know, a million plus or even if it's not a million dollars, we're not the largest check going in, which means we're not the lead investor, which also means we're not setting the terms for the investment round. So we work with the lead investor, talk to them about the due diligence that they've conducted, review the corporate documents, contracts, you know, IP, things of that nature from the company to make sure that everything that was said in the pitch is true, right? Mm. That we want to make sure that we're we're investing money into a valid company that we think is going to return an ROI at some point. Um, once we get through the diligence process, if we want to proceed, we go to our board of managers and and seek formal approval to uh, to be able to write a check in that company's financing round. So is your inbox full? Like, because everybody thinks their idea is so brilliant, right? Let's be honest, right? Everybody's got these great million dollar hopes and dreams, which is great. We need people to keep, you know, you know being innovators and dreaming and stuff. We can't be all dream crushers. We like. can't, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but for the, for the folks that are really grounded in reality, how many, like, applications are you receiving on a regular? So it depends. Um, we, we've gone through some, some ebbs and flows, I would say. So we started out as a $5 million fund. Um, I, I wasn't the managing director until a couple of years ago. There was a prior managing director. You know, we work with investors in the area who assist us with deal flow. So there's some times where I'll say, you know, we're getting a bunch of deals and we have to sift through them to, to schedule timing based on when they expect to close their financing. If we, you know, when we think we'd be able to participate, what, what deals we think are good, what deals we think are bad. And like I said, we try to keep it between three and five per month just to be respectful of the time of our screening committee. Sure. You know, they're, they're dedicating a couple hours on a Friday morning to, uh, to help us, you know, sort through the deal flow. I, I can't say exactly how much, uh, how full my inbox is. My inbox is definitely full, but definitely depends month to month on on when how many companies that we're getting can you talk about how it benefits the university to organize a fund like this because i think this is probably a pretty unique thing that rowan does and why why do we do this why does the university invest in kind of a venture like the venture fund Sure. So uh, it is unique. Um, there are a lot of colleges and universities throughout the country that do have entrepreneurship programs and either have student-run venture funds um, where the amounts are very small that they're investing, you know, $5,000, $2,500 into very early stage student startups. Or there are, you know, university programs where faculty are receiving grant funds for qualifying for certain programs that are, you know, set by the university. Um, having a venture fund is, is somewhat unique. There are a couple of, uh, you know, there are several other universities that do it of various size. Um, the benefit is to a- attract talented faculty, to retain talented faculty, to attract talented students and, you know, assist students go from, you know, that, that dorm room thought opportunity to being an entrepreneur and having a successful venture. One of you asked earlier about, you know, success stories from the fund. You know, we haven't had any exit events yet. We have 15 portfolio companies right now, but all 15 of them are still operational, Hmm. uh, which is, you know, interesting for a fund for how long we've, we've been operating. Typically you'd see a few of them We'd go out of business or pivot into a different idea or something like that um, at this point. So it's, it, we're really happy to see that all of them continued with the initial effort. An example of a success story that I would say is, you know, just a couple years ago, 
um, two students, uh, Kayvon and Mike, who graduated from the uh, College of Business. They started a, an iced tea company. Topos Teas was the name originally. Um, it was just, I think at that point, it was just a, a regular sort of iced tea company competing with all of the big players in the industry. They, after graduation, pivoted to a healthy iced tea. So, um, you know, this is a, a product that is sort of competitive with kombucha, if you will. It has you know, prebiotic fibers in Rob it. Rob so. doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Healthy. chicken fingers, I, I know. <laughs> I, to be fair, I like to throw Rob under the bus, but either do I. <laughs> I, li- I like water, but that, that's about it. <laughs> I was going along with it. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, the kombucha. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. not in your head. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Oh, my goodness gracious. What is that? But these are young guys who are, are, you know, they've gone through a food and beverage accelerator. They've made a lot of great contacts in the industry. You can now grab, it's, the company's called Half Day now. They did, they did pivot before our investment. They pivoted to the Half Day concept. You can go to Wegmans. You can go to, you know, Target. You can go to Giant. A lot of large wholesalers or, or grocers are, are now carrying this. GoPuff delivers in Philly. You can order a Half Day and get it delivered to your house. Wow. Um, you know they're they're now you know raising an additional round of capital, but we've invested one hundred and fifty thousand dollars into the company so far. Um, they're I think currently seeking a round of three million, and they've had a lot of success um, in terms of revenue and sales growth over the past year and a half. So hopefully we we do see an exit at some point and and get a great ROI on it. But even just looking at the you know student experience slash alumni experience sure. and being able to stay connected to the university and receive that type of support from your university, I think means a lot and definitely help them when they were going to seek um, investor money elsewhere as well. And I think I read online there's a fellowship program that's starting in 2023 coming up. Yeah, so we are, are working um, to establish a fellowship program. We want to provide educational opportunities, you know, sort of an internship, if you will, um, for students who are interested in venture capital or private equity and, you know, want them to work alongside me and some of the administrative staff uh, that support the fund to, you know, work through the deal flow, keep my inbox a little bit empty <laughs> and uh, uh, work through the deal flow, uh, help our portfolio companies with anything they need. We always offer, you know, resources to the extent we can to our portfolio companies uh, for, you know, things that are available on campus. Um, so, you know, they'll be assisting with a variety of different things. And we, we do hope to get that established for before the spring semester starts. So we have Ernie, the lawyer day. We've got Ernie, the Rowan. The triathlete. The, 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 tri, no, we got the triathlete there, which I want to circle back to in a second here. And then we've got, you know, Ernie, the Rowan Venture Fund Cat. Now let's talk about Ernie the Volunteer, because in scouring sort of your, your social, I hope you don't mind, you know what I mean? But we're, not, we're now besties on, we're Link, besties on LinkedIn now. LinkedIn yeah. let me know you were creeping, so it's Okay, that's oh, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't be, LinkedIn, oh, sorry. LinkedIn sorry. Right, right out. But I saw how many organizations that you volunteer with. So talk about, A, how do you have time for all that? But B, why is that important? Why is volunteerism so important to you? What's that drive? Yeah, so uh, I think it ties back a little bit to when I mentioned when I came back to Rowan, I just wanted to get involved in everything that I possibly could. Um, LinkedIn probably needs to be updated. There are a couple. <laughs> there are a couple of. Uh, They're always there, there are a couple of board positions that I've rolled off of at this point, um, but I have been involved with with several nonprofits. Um, currently, the chair of the executive advisory board for Special Olympics Pennsylvania Philadelphia chapter. Um, you know, it's just really important. To me, to, to give back it to the extent I can, you know, I I try to take on roles that I know I'm going to have time for. Um, I, I have, you know, started saying no to things, which is 
odd for me in, in a lot of different ways, but I have started saying no to different things to make sure that I do have the time to actually dedicate the, you know, the time that's needed to support these organizations appropriately. Um, but I, I think, you know, there are a couple of mentors in my life that have at various points told me, you know, you need to find something like law is a really demanding profession, right? You need to find something, some way to give back and, you know, sort of take your mind off of your day job and give back to the community and find organizations that you have a tie to, that you want to support and, you know, go all in on them. Don't just be someone who shows up at events, be someone who's a leader in a leadership position and actually makes a difference. Hmm. Did I also read that you adjunct? I am an adjunct. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Just <laughs> I think I'm busy, and then I'm like, wow, I'm really I'm failing. Really squeezing this day. <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you teach? So I, I had previously taught at Rowan. I taught a class, uh, entrepreneurship and innovation, um, which is a required class for entrepreneurship majors. Um, then I taught a class that was uh, sort of, and it was called tech commercialization, but it was a, a meeting of biomedical engineering students and MBA students and it got them to work together on projects so that they could learn when you go out in the business field, you know, you're the engineer, you're not going to know accounting, you're not going to know the finance and all that. There are people that, that will do that, you know, but you need to understand general concepts and how to work with those people. So this was a class that really got them to work on projects that they were already working for in the engineering school, the biomedical engineering students, work with MBA students to develop a pitch deck. We went through the whole, you know, startup, starting a company phase, talked about the different types of companies that you could form or different types of entities that you could form all the way through an exit event. Um, so we we talked about, you know, negotiating a term sheet, negotiating like what an M&A event might look like, um, things of that nature. Um, and I, I don't teach, I, I haven't taught the past few semesters at Rowan, um, but I am teaching a contract drafting class at Drexel Law now. You gotta come back here. Yeah, How do I get you drop that dragon? Yeah, then we, then we that should be the that should be the yeah. that's now trending online. Yeah, drop drop the dra- dragon. Hashtag drop the dragon. I do want to circle back to your running because uh, my yours truly enjoys running. I am not ever 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 gonna run what you're running, right? So we're not gonna do that. But just curious, do we do music when we're running? I do do music. Well, well, most most of the time, I do music when I run. Okay, podcast too or no? Podcast, audiobooks. One. Yeah, it depends, What's your depends on the run. <laughs> you could tell us. Um, that's, that's a good question. The Always Sunny podcast has been my, my go-to recently. I, I just started it uh, somewhat recently and have been listening that straight through for the most part. Those guys are so funny. What kind of music amps you up while you run? Uh, I don't know. That's a, it, 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 look, if it's, it's a guilty pleasure, you can share it. Listen, you know my I mean? husband, my husband, he's... Are you he going to... No, he's not here to say this, though. No, he's fine. He'll okay. be fine. But he says he runs faster when he listens to the Hamilton soundtrack. Because it amps him up. Listen, guys, Hamilton's incredible. Okay. It's a phenomenon. Have you seen it? Either of you seen I it? I have not no. seen it. Oh, my gosh. Missing out. Any history people in here? I don't like history. No, But this I. was very, this is a digestible way to appreciate history. Okay. But it's it's really good. And the whole soundtrack is sung. Like, there's not a spoken word in the whole show. So it could amp you up a lot. I don't know. It does it for him. What does it for you, Arnie? I'll have to try it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, report, I'll report back. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. I'll let Lynn Manuel know. What, so, what is your what is yeah. your what's your go to? Like, uh, I, I, come I, on, we're all friends here. If it's yeah. Goo Goo Dolls, it's, just no. Sure. It's it's usually some sort of hip hop. I'm a hip hop okay. person. Okay. Right. Um, so '90s, early 2000s hip hop is sort of my go to. Um, I. I went on a country kick for a little bit, I'm which sorry. my my wife makes fun of me yeah, for. Yeah, I'm sorry. About you that. ran to country though. 
I was not into it. I was just yeah. like listen to it when I run. I'm like, oh, this is you know something different than. I like it country music only in the summer. Okay. I don't know why. I feel like if it's like warm and I could roll my windows down, I really appreciate it. But any other time of year, I'm not really into it. And I like a lot of different kinds of music, yeah. but I can't really get into it when it's cold out. I don't know. I think that's weird. Well, this but. was summer and I've since transitioned from my country phase. So maybe it's a summer thing. Yeah, yeah I think I think the air has gotten colder. You know that it's time to turn your country off and maybe turn your hip hop back on. No, that's great. I have to listen to music too. I always have to have something playing. In yeah, there. what do you listen to? What pops you up? You know, I'm actually like kind of all over the map. Like, so, like, if you look at my playing playing list, I've got stuff on there from like Kanye to, uh, I, you know, uh, who did the song? Uh, I wish I were a little bit taller. Is that is that Skilo? Who, who did that? Yeah, that's Skilo. Yeah, so I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah, you should have had a girl. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Call. Do you wish you were a baller? Oh, uh, you know what, uh, Ernie? Yes. <laughs> I wish I was a little bit taller, but <laughs> so do I. But you know, whatever. What do you have to say to students that aren't aren't really sure what they want to do, or maybe take like a non traditional path like yourself, where you kind of took a break? Do you have any advice for students that are kind of on a a non traditional trajectory here at Rowan? Yeah, I think my advice would be to to follow your heart. And I know that sounds cliche, but, you know, not knowing what you want to do could actually be a good thing because it leads to you trying a lot of different things. Or my recommendation would be to try a lot of different things because then you get exposure to a lot of different areas. Um, you can you'd be amazed as you get older, looking back and connecting the dots, looking backwards as how things kind of played out and how they connect and, you know, why your experience is so valuable to the company you work for or to the company you start, because you've done a lot of different things and can pull different pieces, you know, customer service from working in a restaurant or working in retail, um, you know, research from being a research assistant for a professor or something like that. You know, there, there are a lot of different ways to gain experience and gain exposure to different things. So I would say sign up for different clubs, try out different internships. You know, it, it stinks that not all internships are paid, but sometimes you get really, really valuable experience at unpaid internships. And I know not everyone has the ability to take an unpaid internship, but uh, to the extent that you can, and it's a good opportunity, I would suggest doing so. I mean, um, I know a lot of people that thought they knew what they wanted to do and absolutely hate what they do now in their career, their profession, and have either pivoted to something else and enjoy it or continued to go through the monotony of the day-to-day and just dislike what they're doing. So even if you think you know what you want to do, I would say try out some different things and you know get some different experience and make sure what you want you think you want to do is what you want to do because you're going to be doing it for a long time. So, yeah, that so. is that is great advice. And we're so grateful to have had you here today. And we're so appreciative of everything you do for Rowan with the Venture Fund. And I think that's really neat. We, you know, and maybe our show recap, we can talk a little bit about how to, you know, put in an application if this sounds like yeah, something that anybody or any of our listeners are interested in. But we're super grateful for having you here today. You're a busy guy. You have more things on your plate than <laughs> most people. So we appreciate you taking the time to be here with us yeah, today. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and happy to be a part of it. Anything for Rowan. So anything for Rowan was just the most perfect way to tie a bow on our time. With it was like Ernie. a Hallmark card with that I guy. I know. I felt like I just wanted to give him a squeeze and, and say, <laughs> thank you. And how much, by the way, how much are we better off that he didn't go the dentist route? I know, I mean, right? their loss, our gain. But why do people want to be in other people's mouth anyway? Again, I don't know. I don't know. There's, I mean, I don't. I can't. Imagine. I mean, appreciate the dentist. We all need them. You, you don't like the dentist, though. I feel like we took when you worked in the alumni office. I feel like we've yeah. had conversations about the dentist. 
You're not a fan. No, it's just a lot of things going on in there. I know. And it always is like a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. It feels nice when it's done, though. Yeah. Yeah. It does. But anyway, anyway, I digress. <laughs> Out of the dentist he chair. Was, he was, it was great that we have him on our side, and he's one of us, and he's doing some stuff for, for Rowan. And that stuff includes their venture fund and kind of leading that direction. Anybody, we want to kind of give you a sort of a, where you can look for more information about the Rowan Innovation Fund. All you want to do, go on, just Google, fire up Google, little search box there, and, and search Rowan Innovation Venture Fund. And it'll come up and take you to the site that you need to get on the Rowan Advancement site. Is and that- you have to have some better ideas than Rob and I have had. Yeah. We, we sidebarred about some of our ideas. We don't think we're going to get any funding. But, you know, if you have a business plan and you think you have something great, I'm sure that you do. We have so many creative alums out there that are doing awesome things. So maybe there's a way that, you know, the alma mater can support you or current students. So we're really excited to kind of follow up with Ernie post airing of the show and see you know, if there's like an uptick in applications and see what kind of projects come in. And who knows, maybe the next show we'll interview one of those GSE alums, Rowan alums that put in an application. Yeah, we have a lot of good businesses here that we've supported. So I think what did Ernie say, like 15, there's at least 15 currently. So we know we have some some good people we can tap into. So. Another good episode of Beyond the Brown and Gold. I dig it. You've been listening to Beyond the Brown and Gold on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for Beyond the Brown and Gold or Rowan Radio On Demand.